I had just won the International Sports Photographer of the Year. Like, first place, me in Evansville. Second place was a guy from the LA Times, fantastic photographer. Third place, third place was a guy in Sydney, Australia. Like, these top, how in the world I won this, I have no idea. But, you know, they flew us out to DC to National Geographic for the award ceremony. Like, holy crap. Everybody's like, okay, this is it. You know, you got the baby, you got the awards. Now you get the pay increase. I go to the meeting and I'll never forget walking in, sat down, he did the whole review and all the, all everything. And uh, I got a 3% raise. And I just stared at him and I was like, I couldn't even say anything. And I finally was like, you know, I said to myself, I said, it's over. Welcome to the Mind for Life podcast. The Mind for Life podcast. Where your thinking can change your life. And now, here's your host, Jeff Bogazic. What's up, everybody? Welcome once again to the Mind for Life podcast. My name is Jeff Bogazic, and I will be your host for the next 45 minutes or so, where we try to help you think better, to learn a little bit more about the world, and to live a better life. It is so great to have you with us today, and we have an incredible guest. His name is Vincent Puglisi. Let me tell you a little bit about him. First and foremost, he's a husband to his beautiful wife, Elizabeth, and the proud father of three boys, Andrew, Nolan, and Dylan. Vincent has also been a professional photographer for more than 23 years, and he's an international award-winning sports and documentary photographer. He's photographed every major sporting event, including the Super Bowl, the World Series, NHL Finals, the Kentucky Derby, and even WrestleMania. He and his wife Elizabeth own and run Elizabeth Vincent Photography, which specializes in documentary, wedding, and corporate photography. On January 2nd of 2018, Vincent's book, Freelance to Freedom, will be published nationwide. It is available now, however, on Kindle, and you can find the link for that in the show notes. But it is the story of how he and his wife went from low-paying newspaper photography jobs and debilitating debt to a life of financial and time freedom through self-employment. You're going to hear more about that journey today. When he's not with his family or shooting photography, Vincent also coaches freelancers on how to live a life of financial time and life freedom, specifically through the world of self-employment. He's also the co-owner of Sports Photo School, which teaches parents how to take awesome photographs of their kids playing sports. And today, you're going to hear a couple of things. First of all, how you can get your fruit, F-R-U-I-T, under control. Second, you're going to hear how Vincent went from $32,000 a year to $32,000 in one day. And maybe you're even going to get some pro photo tips from an award-winning professional photographer. All of that and more, and we're going to get into it in just a second. But first, let me mention a couple of things. First of all, our sponsor for this podcast is Bluehost.com. Bluehost is the leading web solution services provider. 
They were founded in 2003. That means they've been around for a while. They've continually innovated new ways to deliver on their mission, which is to empower us. That's you and me to fully harness the web. If you are looking to host a website, a podcast, an online business, or a blog, please check out bluehost.com. Go to our website, mindforlife.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page and click on that banner for $3.95 a month hosting. Plus, I think you even get a free domain registration. So Bluehost is there so anyone, novice or pro, can get on the web and thrive. Second, the show notes for this program will be at mindforlife.org slash 039. So please click on over there to get all of the links and my top learning moments from this program, which includes a link to Vincent's top 10 tips, the top things he learned in going from $32,000 a year to $32,000 in one day. Also, you can now become a patron of this podcast and help to support it with your kind generosity. You can give as little as $1 a month and help us to cover the cost of producing this program. So head on over to mindforlife.org and click on the Become a Patron orange button link right there at the top of the homepage. I want to also encourage you to stick around to the end of the podcast where I share with you my top takeaways for my conversation with Vincent today. All right, that's it. Let's go ahead and get right into my interview with Vincent Puglisi. Great to have you on the program, Vincent. Glad to meet you. Glad to talk with you. But So start out, if you would, just sharing the story. You have the book out, uh, Freelance to Freedom, Mm-hmm. And just kind of share in a nutshell your journey. We don't want to ruin it for everybody because I want them to go out and buy the book and read it for themselves. I think it's wonderful. But just kind of share the journey that you came on and what the book is all about, if you would. Yeah, I was I was your typical 22-year-old slacker. I mean, I really was. I was I, I did terrible in school. I found out in the day before I the day before graduation that I was even going to graduate. <laughs> um, and I, I remember coming out to like, okay, I guess I, I guess I'm graduating, but I had no plan. And I still remember I still remember my friends being like, what are you going to do? And I remember thinking, I'll figure something out, but this isn't it. Like whatever everybody's doing here, my guidance counselor at school, she asked me, she goes, you know, what do you want to do? And I said to her, and I wrote about this, I said, I, I just don't want to wear a tie. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to wear a tie. And she was so frustrated with me. Um, but then I, I screwed around a lot. I was, you know, five, five different majors in, in community college and, five, and I was a thief. You know, I, I was working at a convenience store and I was, you know, overcharging customers. It was terrible. I had no, no morals. And, but I woke up in the middle of the night in a, literally in a sweat, in a deep sweat. Like, um, what am I doing with my life? I was 22 was, years old. This was 22 years old. Yeah. Were you, had you been thinking about that or why do you think all of a sudden you woke up and said, uh Oh, you know what, what happened there? I wish I know. I wish I still remember. I wish I knew what happened. It was just, you know, it's kind of like anything else we talk about. Things pile up over and over, you know, Time at time, and and you you know you you fight it, and you and you you know you're not sure what's going on, and then I th- sometimes you just have to get hit over the head with something, and that kind of just hit me over the head where I need to make a change. Um, mm-hmm. And I went downstairs. I lived with my parents. I moved back in, and my dad came downstairs, and and he said to me, you know, what's going on? And I said, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I, said, I have no idea. And I think he was kind of glad to hear it because he'd probably been wanting the same thing for years. Um, 
And, and he said to me, he said, you know, well, you like traveling, you like, you know, you like sports, you like taking pictures, even though it was like a point and shoot camera. He goes, why don't you take a photography class? And I was like, you know, it sounds cool. I'm, I'm like, I failed at everything I've ever done. So I'm probably going to fail at it, but at least I'll fail at something cool this time. Um, so the next day I signed up for community college and, and I bought a camera and I started. So that's where, how it started. And, you know, years and years of struggle and, and making connections and making very little money, um, that led to eventually getting a newspaper job. And that's where kind of it, it all came down where I don't know which way you want to go with it, but that was, that was pretty much the beginning of it. Yeah. Okay. So sh- share with everybody what took place that, that changed, um, what your track was in your life, right? You were working this job, yep. you were going through, what was the situation in your life like? And then what happened that all of a sudden you said, this is not it. Yeah. Um, during those early years, when I first started photography, I never wanted a job. I didn't want a job. I was, but I had gotten an internship at Newsday in New York and there was this allure, like they make a hundred thousand dollars a year to shoot the world series. That's pretty cool gig, right? You know, to be a newspaper photographer, that was one of the rare ones. I didn't know. I didn't realize they were one of the higher paying ones in the industry. I kind of started out with a low paying internship at the top. So I was kind of a little bit, you know, skewed on it. Um, so I saw these guys with these jobs and, they get, and I was like, okay, maybe I do want a staff job. Freelancing is tough. You know, the, the, the money was low, the, the, the hours were low, the hours were bad. Um, since I decided to go back to college, I went to Ohio University for journalism. I met my wife there and we both came out of OU with um, newspaper jobs in Evansville, Indiana at a newspaper um, that we both applied for right to graduation. So I was like, okay, we got the security. We know where the job, we know where the work's coming from. It wasn't very much money. It was like I was at 30, 30 grand a year. She was at 28 um, when we started. Um, but we had cool stuff. Like I, I covered the Super Bowl. I covered the World Series, you know, all, all types of cool stuff. But um, a couple of years into it, I had just won the International Sports Photographer of the Year. Like first place, me in Evansville. Second place was a guy from the LA Times. Fantastic photographer. Oh, my. Third place, yeah. third place was a guy in Sydney, Australia. Like these top – how in the world I won this? I have no idea. But – you know, they flew us out to D.C. to National Geographic for the award ceremony. Like, holy crap. Um, and Elizabeth gets pregnant with Andrew, our first son. And everybody's like, OK, this is it. You know, you got the baby. You got the awards. Now you get the pay increase. So right. I go to the meeting. and I'll never forget walking in, sat down, did the whole review and all the all everything. And uh, I got a three percent raise. And I just stared at him and I was like, I couldn't even say anything. And I finally was like, you know, I said to myself, I said, it's over. I said, I can't. I looked out in the newsroom. I saw everybody that was disgruntled. It really kind of like my eyes opened. Like everybody's always complaining about money. Everybody's always complaining about their time. They're complaining about how they're treated. They're complaining about how they can't take vacation. It all just hit me. Like, oh my God, what am I doing? What's happening? And I don't, how am I going to feed my kid? Because my wife wants to stay home if we can. So Mm -hmm. literally that day, went home and called my dad to see if I could do side work in his business. He turned me down. (laughs) He said, he said, you haven't worked in my business for 10 years and I'd have to retrain you. And he's in New York. And he said something that changed my life. He said, he said, you know, he said, uh, you have a skill, but you're not using it the right way. And, mm. and, uh, I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you refuse to do all the things that will make you money and you're settling for this job that's paying you no money He goes, you got to start a business. And I'm like, oh crap, I know nothing about business. You know, I studied photography. I didn't study, I studied my right. craft. I didn't study. Um, so uh, 
So that day, I called a bunch of photographers in the Yellow Pages, and they all turned me down. I wanted to, you know, see if I could assist them, but it was all for me. Like, was was it like? Uh, so that was basically like, let me see if I can get on with somebody as a freelance. Yeah, photographer. yeah. Can, can I second shoot with you? Yeah. Can I do some weddings yeah. for you? And they could all tell. You know, I was mad then, but they could all tell I was doing it for me. I wasn't doing it to help them. Yeah. I wanted to learn, and then of yeah. course I'm going to go out on my own, and then probably undercut them or whatever. I didn't mean to, but right. I was thinking very selfishly, which is what you do when you're stuck. You know, you're not thinking about other people. Right. Um, so I took the phone book and I literally threw it against the wall and I said, you know, I was trying to join them. Like they say, if you can't beat them, join them. Well, I said, if you can't join them, we're going to beat them. I, I said that out loud mm-hmm. to myself while I was sweating and angry. And, uh, and we started our business that day from scratch, from the ground up. Um, and I, I mean, there's so much in between it, but the story really is that really we learned from was we decided to live off of what we made at the newspaper, not increase our lifestyle. Elizabeth left the job. So we were, you were still working at the newspaper. Yes. Yeah. And run and running this on the side and doing Just the business on the side, doing the business on the side. Elizabeth was still at the paper. I was still at the paper. She wound up taking a leave at the paper and never went back. Eventually quit. I stayed there making 32 grand. So started the business and we got a $1,500 wedding. We're like, okay, there could be something to this that's low end and we have a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. You know, better than making $100 a day, like I was doing at the newspaper for mm-hmm. 11 hours. Um, so we just went head first into it on the weekends and starting the business. And what we decided to do was we're going to live off of our salary, but we are going to pay off all of our debt with the business. We're right. not going to increase our lifestyle. We're not going to buy a bigger house. We're not going to buy a car. We are going to pay off our debt so that we can quit this job. And even if the business doesn't go really well, it's not going to be a problem. We're, what we wanted was time freedom, not – wasn't about wealth. wasn't about – now you are a – from I get from the book, you're a big Dave Ramsey fan. Yeah, yep. It helped yeah. us a ton. Yeah. So DaveRamsey.com for anybody listening. There's a specific procedure. He's got the debt snowball and all that stuff to be able to help you achieve financial freedom. And so that was – was that part of the – uh, was that part of it then? Like your desire to say, we need to, we need, in, in other words, was it more about how can we find freedom in our life mm-hmm. uh, rather than this job is going nowhere or was it both? It was a little bit of everything. Yeah. It, when we finally got to sit down, we literally said, so it was one of the most important conversations we ever had. And we deal with this in a lot of coaching. And what we do is like somebody wants to do it, but the spouse doesn't. Right. Not male or female. Often it's the male, often it's the female. It's like, and what we had to do was sit down, like, what do we want life to look like? Not now, we're broke. We're broke now. We know what life's going to look like for the next year or two. But what about 10 years from now? What about when Andrew's 10? You know, even traveling with a one-year-old is, is brutal. Mm-hmm. Anybody a one-year-old knows, it's like, it sounds great, go to the beach. No, they hate sand. They, you know, it's all over their face. They cry. It's like, we didn't care about them. We said, what do we want? And what we said, we wanted freedom. Like, we didn't, it wasn't the house. We didn't, when we dreamed, it wasn't a five bedroom pool. It wasn't that. It was, we don't want to worry about money. Not that we, not that we want to be, not that we would mind being wealthy, but it's not about that. It's not about stuff. We don't want to worry about money. We want to have control of our time and we want to be able to teach our kids the way that we want to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. That was a big deal to us. So we planned out that way. Well, how do we do that? If we get rid of our debt, it makes it a lot easier. Including our house. when did it all start? When, like, when did this all begin, time frame wise? Oh, um, 
like, like years type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like what year started this whole thing? Because it's two, 2017. Yeah. yeah. How far how how far along? When did the journey start? How far along are you? That that conversation was it 2004? I think it started 2004 when I had that. Yeah, because it was right before. It was 2005. I'm, I'm trying to think. It was early. It was right before Andrew was born. So it was probably June. Yeah, it was June of 2005 when that three percent raise meeting happened. Okay. And we were to June 2005. We had a negative. So it's 12 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like long. Yeah. Uh, we had a negative net worth at that point. You know, it, it was everything was uh-huh. everything was just tough. And so we started the business. Our we booked a wedding July 4th weekend. Andrew was born July 12th. We Your wife was shooting the wit. She wasn't shooting the wedding when she was pregnant. No, no, we, we booked it. We didn't. Okay. Did, we didn't shoot. We booked our first one. The first time we made money in a business was that fourth of July. Like, wait a second. Okay. Then we booked another one, and then all of a sudden we started paying attention. People called the newspaper looking for wedding photographers. We used to laugh at them because we're journalists, <laughs> right? We're we're too good to do weddings, so we would be like, no, we don't know anybody. And then we're like, yes, we know somebody. It's us. <laughs> um, and then we would just negotiate prices for the first few, whatever it took. Because every one of them, you know, paid some right. doubts of debt. So if you get a thousand dollar wedding, our you know our debt goes from one hundred and forty grand to one hundred and thirty nine. That that feels significant. Another yeah. five hundred dollars. So you get really excited about it, like when you start making progress. And then we started fleshing out how many weddings would it take. And I remember going into the bathroom and being like, "Wait a second! If we did thirty weddings a year at three thousand dollars, that's ninety thousand dollars on thirty days of leaving the house." When right now we make sixty thousand dollars leaving the house two hundred and forty days out of the year, mm-hmm. something's wrong with that. <laughs> a light bulb went off. <laughs> I remember it was like in the bathroom at the uh, at the newspaper, and at that point I had checked out. I was just like, "Give me my assignment. at the newspaper." Yeah, give me my assignment. Yeah. I'll do what you need me to do. But when I had any extra time, I am working on the business, and that's yeah. probably not the best way to do it. But that's <laughs> that's the way we did it. Uh, well, you know, though, in honest, in all honesty, if the business. And I think maybe this is for business and for companies. If they really want their people involved in it, you can't pay them $30,000. And then when they ask for something and get awards and are doing great work for the business, say, I can only get you 3%. Yeah. yeah. Because if it, uh, I get I get the sense that you're saying, if they would have given me 10%, yep. none, none of this would have changed. I would have stayed there. I would have done the same thing. We wouldn't be talking right now. Right, we wouldn't be because I would have said ten percent. Okay, now I'm making what forty grand a year. Okay, you know I'm not quitting now because the problem is the, the beautiful thing is I made so little money that it's pretty easy to replace. The problem yeah. is the people that I talk to make a hundred grand. Yeah, and now how do you leave that? How yeah. do you leave that when you then bought the house? Right. Yeah. Had you gone up to that, yep. or let's say you had put in another ten years and had gotten, you know, maybe a better job, better paper, or something like yep. that. Bought the house. Would you trade that? Would I what? Would I? Would you? You if you had that now, you wouldn't trade what you have no, now for that. Never, never, never. I I am so unemployable. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I'll be fi- I, I I joke. I will be fired within the first five minutes of any job. And I'm not a jerk about it. Hopefully not. But I just. I want to be able to do things my way. You know, once you have freedom, once you have control over who you work with and who you don't work with, when you work and when you don't, what you can charge and what you can't charge, um, there's no way. There's no way. It's just like that makes me, you know, makes my, my skin crawl thinking about it because I'm like, wow, I like I can have this interview today. I have another one. Then I go, I'm going to Columbus tomorrow to meet with a group of entrepreneurs. You know, I get to control my time. 
you know, we're after the book launches in January, we're hitting the road as a family. We're taking three months and going out west. And it's like, how in the world could I do that? So that's why the whole thing with, with having starting a business is so important if you want freedom. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not for everybody. I, it took me a while to understand that because when I first started, I was like, everybody has to do this. Like, no, everybody doesn't because everybody doesn't want that. But if you want freedom and you want control of your time and money and where you live and where you spend your whatever months you want, you have to because if you have a job, then they control you. Right. So, that, um, I was going to say that I think it's important to get the 12 years, you know, because everybody's looking now at your book and you've got the book launch and everything's free. Everything's great. Yeah. 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 And there we go. I'm going to do it. I want to do that. So tomorrow I'm going to have a book out yep. and it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't work that way. And and that's the whole thing is everybody's like, what is, have you heard of Donald Miller? Donald yes. Miller. Yeah. Yeah. He were, he was a writer. He was yes. a writer for a long period of time and now he's got a I just noticed he's got like a, a brand, a company that he started. The story brand. And and it's yeah. phenomenal. And it's and it, they talk about what, what the pain points are. And you know that that's what we, we went through with this. It's kinda of like you have to understand like delayed gratif like he talks about what is the hero and what is the villain in a story. And the villain in our story is is the culture. The, the, the ability, the inability to delay gratification is the, is what I, if, if I can get everybody to understand that, um, it, it everything would be different. A good it's, luck. It's, yeah. And, and that's, and, but, but my job is to figure that out. And that's what I coach people with. And because when you can understand that, if you can delay the gratification and you can hold off till tomorrow and enjoy what you have today, what you have, everything is just exponentially better. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so we practice it. We practice it with our kids. We never go to the store and they get what they want on a first shot because mm -hmm. I want to teach them this. Right. Plus they save their money to buy their own stuff. But it's like when you give into that, that's why this culture is in such bad shape. Cause, and it's even harder now than it was when we first started because man, you can go look at my book on Amazon and buy it without even realizing it. Mm -hmm. That's how easy it is to buy stuff. Yeah. Now. Click one button, you know, yeah. the Apple pay. So if you thought it was bad in 2005, the, the ability to delay gratification, it is a muscle that has to be used. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you wind up, you know, you, I mean, how many 22-year-olds with 120 grand of college loans, credit card debt, now you have this, this, this degree that's not even worth what it was when you first started, and you have to take a job at an insurance agency that you don't even want to be at just to pay for your student loans. The amount of times that I hear that story, it makes my heart break. And then they wake up at 35 years old and they go, what happened to my life? I got married, I got two kids, I go to this job I hate, I'm in total debt even though I make good money and I have no time to even do what I want to do. What happened? I hear people all the time with that and it's it's sad. Um, so how would you coach someone that says, okay, man, I'm all in. I want to do this thing. I, what's the steps? How does someone get started? What do they do? Do you have a plan, a strategy of attack? I, there's stuff in the book, obviously. And uh, if you're if you're listening to this, go buy the book and get on Amazon. Now it's available in Kindle, right? Kindle, yeah, yesterday. First, yesterday. First yeah. And then yeah. it's going to launch officially in January. January 2nd. January 2nd. Yeah. So you'll be able to get that and... We'll have to get you to sign me a copy at some point. Absolutely, we're not we're not far from each other. <laughs> right, right. So, how no, would it, you give a what, what's a plan for someone who says, "I don't know what in the world to do. What am I supposed to do?" They're in the same situation you are. 
I know that this is, I know I got to get out. In other words, they've been hit with a ton of bricks. Someone said the 3% raise. They say, I got to get out. Something's not right. What's the process? It, I mean, I'm not going to give you a vague answer, but it is different for everybody. Mm -hmm. But what I specialize in is somebody that has a job that wants to get out of the job eventually and they, they don't know how to do it. And you have to start a side business to do that. You have to. There are so many tax advantages to just being self-employed. You know, like Rich, like Rich Dad Poor Dad, he wrote about, like, this would change my mindset. When I was an employee, he teaches, like, when you when you're an employee, you make money, you are taxed on all that money, and then you get the rest. When you are self-employed, you make money, you spend it in many different areas of your business that is a tax write-off, and then you get taxed on the rest of that. And I remember reading that and thinking, if we were self-employed this year instead of being employed, that's a $20,000 difference. Mm, oh my. Just from our salaries. Yeah. Between the two of us. And I was like, what? So I... So the whole thing is, the first thing is like, you have to get your money together, which people don't do. That is the first step is understanding where your money is going. Because it makes no difference to make more money if you're just going to spend it frivolously without knowing it. Mm -hmm. So like in the book, I talk about the fruit. And that's the first thing. It is, and I call the fruit, it's your food. I'm going to spell it out. Your food, your residence, which is your house, utilities, your insurances, and your transportation. And a little bit of, you know, a little bit of fun stuff. You know, you got to still go on a date with your wife and, and stuff like that. But when you get those numbers together, everybody that I coach, everybody thinks their number is higher, much higher than it is. Like I, I, and I wrote about it in the book, four coaching clients in one month, they each made between 100 and 125 grand. That's what they thought their fruit was. We went through the numbers. Every one of them was half of that or less. Right. And that's, that was the first eye opening for everybody. They go, where's that money going? Because what they what things that were once wants turned into needs. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden, ballet is a need. Right. No, it's a want. Yeah. I hate to tell you, you know, but my sons, you know, certain things that we want to do for them, that is a want, mm -hmm. not a need. And mm -hmm. we've made so many wants into needs. And as our salary and goes up, all those things go up. And then all of a right. sudden, but what I say to them, if you got fired tomorrow, how how much would you need to live on next month? Mm -hmm. And if you're making 150 grand, I can tell you it's not 150 grand. Right. You know, nobody needs 100. Nobody needs 150 grand to survive next month. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, mm -hmm. I've never met a person that needs it to survive. And that's such a hard thing in this culture. When you, those are the things I start with. Taking control of your money and starting to think about how you can make some, even just, even just $200 a month on the side. It's something that you know how to do that other, that other people see as special, but you don't really see as special. Mm -hmm. That was our wedding business. We had a, a, a knack for telling real stories and moments with photographs, but we gave it up for $30,000 a year, not mm -hmm. realizing that down the road, people were going to pay us $8,000 for a day mm -hmm. for the same thing. Now you do those equations, you book four $8,000 weddings, you just made exactly what you made in a year at a newspaper. And in four days. In four days. And everybody that I've met has something like that, that not maybe that, that extreme in terms of the numbers but enough mm -hmm. to make this happen far and beyond. So those are the first two right. things I start with. Now, are you still, so what has the business turned into now? Are you still, are you, obviously you're doing coaching with mm -hmm. people. Uh, so what are you doing now? Are you still photo? Are you still doing weddings? Are you still doing photography? And how has it transitioned? And, and has it gone the way you wanted? And was that more just organic or this is the way we want it to go? Every year we sit down and we go, what don't we want to do? 
that what, what do we do this year that we don't want to do next year? And that's the mm-hmm. most fun question to ask yourself when you have the freedom. And, you know, three years ago, we did 30 weddings. And then we said, we don't want to do 30 weddings anymore. So let's raise our prices because we can do that now where we couldn't have in the beginning. So then we went down to 20. Maybe that's four years. Then we went down to 20. I'm like, huh, 20 is nice, but wouldn't it be nice to do 12? So then we did it again and we brought it down to 12. And what happened was when you go from in two years, 30 weddings to 12 weddings, that's not only 28 days you free up, but all the extra work that we did. So that left a lot more time. Now, when you have time freedom and mental freedom, all of a sudden ideas start coming. And that's how the Mm -hmm. book was born. So I got time to spend writing a book now and start building a network around that. And so there's all these things start happening. So now we have one wedding book for next year and it might be the last wedding we ever do. 2018. Is it like a yeah. famous senator or something? <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was a great couple that we met and we we're like, yeah, you know, and, and um, so whatever happens, happens with that. We love doing it, but it's nice to not have to do it. Um, so there's, probably 10 streams of income now mm-hmm. that come in. There's wedding photography. We do, we do a lot of corporate work. Like Giant Eagle is one of our clients here. Right. So we do the work that we want to do. I do the pro sports. That is probably the least paying thing that we do. You still do for pro sports. Oh yeah. I shot the Penguins win the cup back in, in June. I was in right. Nashville for that. You know, I shoot the Steelers games here. Um, but you it's go, not Do a, you do all the Steelers games? Is I it, do no, a, good, a good percentage of them. Is it freelance or are you doing it for... A paper or something like that? Yeah, I do it for whatever organization hires me for it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can't just walk in on your own. They've got a it's freelance, but they hire they assign you. They assign you. So yeah. somebody will assign you to do and you your name's out there yeah. or you've got contacts and they say, Hey, yeah. we need you to shoot the game or whatever. And it may be multiple different organizations that will get yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And it all comes down to relationships. I, right. I my main job is just keeping relationships. And keep mm-hmm. and, and giving to that stuff because that leads to everything. And that's right. what so many freelancers don't do well. They focus on the on the job that they have to do, but they don't have to focus on the people around it. Right. Um, so yeah, there's there's that. There is we did an online course for sports photography, um, which killed it this year. I mean, that was the, that was the, I heard that it was in, insane. I mean, it was it was uh you know the whole funny thing was we were making thirty two grand a year being a being essentially a sports photographer or a newspaper at twenty four. 240 days of the year, well, we did a sports photography course teaching parents who are much more than one client, a million clients around, you know, how to take better sports pictures of their kids. And it made $32,000 in a day. Wow. So now that's something that's perpetual income. Now, every day is not $32,000, but that was the big one. Um, that was the launch. Yeah, that was the launch. Um, and is it now like out there so anybody can sign up for that course? They can sign. No, no, it's not. It is the type of thing where we have two launches a year. And we had mm-hmm. a launch back in the fall again, and then we'll launch it in the spring. Um, so it's so it will come out. And if our listeners want, I would get a link. We'll put a link in yeah. the show notes for if you want to learn how to shoot sports photography for your children, this course will teach you how to do it. And we'll put the link down. What is it? Oh, it's sportsphotoschool.com. Okay. And yeah, so we did an eight module course going through lighting and moments. And, and it's just you know, all the things that I learned for 20 years, I was able to, me and Kyle Schultz, my partner, were able to put it out there in a course. So it was like, that was an eye opener for us. Like you can do stuff like that. So mm-hmm. between that and the book and the coaching, the masterminds, one-on-one coaching and a couple different, you know, affiliate things that go on. Um, you know, then, so each year you get, you get, get to say, well, I don't want to do this anymore or mm-hmm. I'd really like to do this. So next year mm-hmm. I have two things that I'm going to do. And one of them is what you're doing. I want to do a podcast uh, okay. for freelance to freedom. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. there's so many stories and so many questions oh, to yeah. answer. Um, and I'm going to do a membership site related to this because I do the masterminds and the coaching, but those things are a little bit more expensive, but I have a whole lot of people that would like, you know, some one-on-one attention 
but not requiring that much. And you know, it'd be, you know, maybe 20, 30, $40 a month, whatever it would be. That's, mm-hmm. that's, those are the two things to build for next year. And then we just eliminate the things that take up time that we don't want to do. So it's right. I don't know how it's happened. It's kind of bizarre because I'm not that guy. I'm not that smart business guy that learned. Mm-hmm. I just was desperate enough to have to do stuff along the way to make a change. Yeah, the desperation really propelled it. And like you said, it's funny when you get out there and you start doing stuff or you and you start talking to people and then you are able to go, huh? Yeah. What are they doing? Yeah. How could I do that? You know, the ideas just kind of flow when you're able to be in that environment rather than just going out and saying, okay, I'm working for the man here. I'm working for the paper. Got to go shoot the shot, you know, that type of thing. And the tendency is to think, oh, they could do that, but I can't. And I'm I'm sure there's somebody listening to this thing and, oh, he can do that, but I can't. And that's a bunch of crap because I am no smarter than anybody else on this. Like I'm not smarter or more talented, but I will most likely outlast anybody else. That's that's my – if I had a, just determination, yeah, I'm going to keep going. Sometimes yeah. I got to pivot. You got to change. Like we had to pivot with the weddings. It was something we wanted to do, but we took those skills and turned them into something else. We took, right. we took the journalism storytelling from the newspapers where we made very little money and we turned it into a very profitable wedding business because nobody was doing stories like we were doing. Mm-hmm. And then I took that and I brought that storytelling to our sports photography. And I took mm-hmm. the sports photography and turned it into a course. It's like, it, when you look at it, it makes sense. But when you're so mm-hmm. stuck in the moment and needing money, you make bad decisions. So that's why the yeah. whole money thing is get your money under control first so you can make the decisions you really want to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the money situation led to a sort of desperation of what next? And I think a lot of people don't get to the desperation. Yes. Which is why it seems like when you get fired – or when all of a sudden you there's like a wake up call and now you are in this situation like this is not going to get better right yeah. or this is going nowhere there's like a little bit of a fear and a little bit of a trepidation and hopefully you can utilize that to to drive you to okay what I'm I now need to do something different yep yeah yep. and the energy that comes with it but I you, I can't tell you how many people I've told you need to get fired the best thing that could ever happen to you is to get fired. Yeah. And they're like, well, I can't. How would I pay? You'll find a way to pay for food. Yeah. But if you want, like, and people tell us even about our, our business and we turn people down. Like, we turn down wedding clients. And I say, it's good for your soul to do that. Mm-hmm. Because when you don't need the money as much, you turn down the wrong clients. Mm-hmm. You take the right clients. The right clients are going to appreciate you more. They're going to pay more. They're going to tell people about you who, guess what? When, they, when those clients spend good money, their friends also spend good money. Mm-hmm. And that's the referrals you're going to get. And mm-hmm. they're going to be people that get your work. And then everybody's going to rave about you. And then when five friends tell you this is the best wedding photographer, guess who they're hiring? Right. It's going to be you. Yeah. And they'll spend more. It just keeps going that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why this stuff isn't taught in school at all. I had to learn it the hard way. Um, but it's not. It, yeah. And uh, So that's my mission with this. I mean, I, you know, talking to you, having this conversation, if I can get through to anybody just to think about this, um, this is my passion and this is my – you know, you talk about like a mission or, you know, that's what it is for me now. Mm-hmm. To talk just for a little bit, because I thought it was really awesome, was when you talked about the time of giving. You mentioned that in the book, and I think that is just an, an incredible, incredible point. So just share a little bit about what the hour of giving is, how you came up with it, and uh, and what your perceptions of it are. How, how long has that been going on for you? About not much more than a year and a half, two years mm-hmm. maybe. You know, mm-hmm. since I since before I started writing the book, um, that came up during it, and it came up because I'm a selfish guy. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I could say that out loud and not no longer feel bad about it. Like I'm inherently, you know, that's that's who I am. And and I've heard Dave Ramsey talk about it. like he's a spender. That's why he has to teach this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I am a selfish guy, so I have to teach this stuff. And I'm like, why didn't I get the results that I wanted for so long in my life? And it was always about, well, what do I need? What can I get from somebody? You know, even if I was being nice, it was kind of like, well, I really kind of had a, a motive, right? I had a reason. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot mm-hmm. of people feel that way because you got to survive, right? You got to get. But what happens when I took a, when I stepped back from it I, and I started meeting people? And I mean, Penny Solosky, who was, was a client of ours, I mean, she taught me something, and it was in the book where. She gave us she, – she came up to me and she goes – after we took the wedding pictures of her daughter, she goes, what does it feel like to make people happy for a living? And I said, what are you talking about? I said, I do this for me. I said, I take these pictures for me. And if you happen to like it, that's wonderful and want to pay me. But this was not in, the, in this altruistic like, oh, I do this to make people happy. Like I was doing right, to make right. me happy so I didn't do a job that I hated. Turns out that by me doing what I loved, I was making people happy. But I never really got that. So she gave us a $1,200 tip for a wedding. I was like, what? Uh-huh. And so I try to give it back to her and she goes, no, don't you understand? It makes us feel good to give to you. Like you of all people mm-hmm. should understand that. And I was like, I didn't understand that. So I started realizing, <laughs> I was like, what am I? Something, I, you know, I remember driving home, like something's wrong with my mindset because I don't get that and I don't do that. Right? right? I don't do that for other people. So I have to keep thinking about it. I was like, I got to give first. I got to give first and not to get you will wind up getting if you do that. But I, but I had to, so I started doing, okay, instead of the first hour of the day thinking about what I need to do to increase my business, I need to give back. So every day, I can't say every day, I try, sometimes, we have three boys and we homeschool, so sometimes, sometimes mm-hmm. emergencies come up in the house that, you know, right. but my first goal of the day is I go and I, I review books that I've read of my friends, I will review their podcasts, I, will, I reach out to 10 to 20 people every morning just to kind of send a message handwritten notes and Mm -hmm. you start your day that way and it changes everything because by 10 o'clock in the morning you've already received like eight messages back like oh thank you it's great to hear blah 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 i try to tell people if somebody's helped you out in their life appreciate them go do for them what they like if somebody wrote a book write them a review Mm -hmm. that's what they need you know Mm -hmm. instead of saying what drives me crazy more than anything is people are like they don't give credit I, i you hear these people give speeches and they go this guy told me one time the best advice ever and he gives the advice and like why don't you say his name? Yeah, like, right. Say who it was. You're, you're going to give their advice, but you're going to say somebody told me. Like, no, t- say it was Dave, my neighbor. Yeah. Give him some credit. So this, that was, and that it's changed our life in, in ways you would over the last two years. You never met. I wish I would have learned it when I was 20. Mm-hmm. How would you say has that you just confessed you're a selfish person, right? Because yeah. I think we everybody is. I think everybody is personally. We all are concerned about ourselves. How has that practice kind of changed you? Have you noticed a difference in your in your own uh, like your own life? Has has it changed you? Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm calmer. I think I'm. I think I'm nicer than I used to be. I think I also realized how nice I didn't used to be. Mm-hmm. I'm being honest. Like how just. I'm a I'm a I'm an Italian guy from New York that's that's kind of wound up, right? Mm-hmm. I'm hard driving. I can I can really piss people off. I really can. Mm-hmm. I, I will get stuff done. I have a lot of energy, I will be fun to be around, but I will push people the wrong way because I don't really have, you know, I don't have the filter like some people like when I mm-hmm. lived in the Midwest, it's like you know, oh, you said that, you know, and it's like <laughs> that's what I It's not like New York. No. It's not like New York. No, but I've learned like Man, and I would always be like, oh, that's just me. That's just me. I'm like, 
you know, that's, that's right. It probably is just me at that time, but it doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean you treated people well that way. So that's kind of, once you get out of it, you realize I'm not really proud of who I was and I want to change that. And before mm-hmm. I go, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be remembered as that. I want to be remembered as somebody that got stuff done and was inspirational, but I want to be remembered as that. So I got some work to do to, mm-hmm. you know, so, cause I'm sure somebody can listen to this podcast that knew me 15 years ago. Like that's not same guy talk about giving, you know, and, and yeah. that's good and bad. It means I'm growing, but it also means I had a, a big, big place to grow from. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to take, you've been a great inspiration. I mean, it's been great to talk to you. Inspirational. <laughs> I highly recommend the book to anybody out there listening. You can get it on Amazon. It's called freelance to freedom. Yeah. Uh, it's right there. So grab it. And if you would, two things before you go, um, if, and if you have a website where people can contact with you and then I want to ask for a photography tip. Okay. You're a yeah. pro. I want to get one tip cause I am not a pro, but my, my daughter's getting, you know, she's coming up on senior pictures here. So I decided to take the camera outside All right. and try to do some Try to do some portraits, man, but I need some pro tips on that. You know, gotcha. what's the pro tip on a good, the lighting, the aperture, the f-stops or whatever they are. Okay. So where can people connect with you and what's one pro photo tip? Best place, place to connect with me is my website, vincentpuglisi.com. I don't know if you want to put a link because our name isn't the easiest to spell. P-U-G-L-I-E-S-E. Um, that's the website. There's, there'll be downloads if anybody wants. There's, we have some free downloads people want to pick up from just tips that we've given. Um, in terms of the tips, okay. What the big tip that I can give you in terms of if you're doing senior portraits is backlight is key. So if the light's coming in like from behind a lot of times, if you could do this right, what you're going to have, especially if you have trees, right? You have trees that are high, like a field, like your park. The background's going to go darker. And she's going to have this side light, this kind of rim light to her. So if you have a dark, so if you if you're going to use backlight, make sure your background's dark. Make sure your background's like in the shade because that'll go dark. It'll be real nice, and she'll kind of really pop out with this rim light. That'll start making it look a lot more pro than if you do like where the sun's right in their face. It's just going to be more of a creative look. Good, good. Well, Vincent, great, great, great talking to you, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, get the book. It's freelance to freedom on Amazon and best wishes to you, man. Best of luck to everything you've got going on there. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yep. That's been great. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed talking to Vincent myself. And now I want to give you my top takeaways. The top things I learned from speaking with him today. First of all, if you want freedom in your life, that means time freedom or financial freedom, You need to get your fruit in order. In other words, we often think that the answer to all of our problems in life is more money. I just need a higher paying job. I just need to make more money. When in reality, the answer is learning how to spend within our means. We often mistake our wants for our needs. And this can lead to an excess of our spending. So get your fruit in order. Make sure your spending is under control first. And this leads to my second takeaway, the value of delayed gratification. We live in a world today where we can get whatever we want right now. 
Go to Amazon, click on it. It'll be at your door in two days. But often those desires, those temptations to get and have whatever we want right now outweigh our strategic plans for financial freedom. And our financial freedom comes when we learn to hold off on our wants, to delay them in order to achieve what we really want, financial freedom. You heard Vincent talk about putting off spending on certain things until he was able to achieve his goal of getting debt free, paying off his mortgage and all of his debts. It's a difficult lesson to learn, especially in this culture, but one that will pay great dividends if you can put it into practice. My third takeaway is this. Success doesn't happen overnight. When we hear stories like Vincent's, how he went from $32,000 a year to $32,000 in one day, we might make the mistake of thinking that that type of success happens relatively quickly and easily. When in fact, it took Vincent and his wife 12 years of hard work to get to where they are now. Those type of success stories can and do happen, but the point is that they don't happen overnight. You can get there. It just takes time, dedication, and hard work. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Remember the show notes are at mindforlife.org slash 039. You can leave your comments there about this episode. Also, please subscribe on iTunes. And if you get a chance while you're on over there, leave a review of our podcast. Thank you again so much for listening. And we will talk with you next time. (laughs) 